In football, anything can happen on the field, and your level of confidence determines how you handle it. And the same goes for moving. It's why Penske Truck Rental equips you with as much confidence as possible to handle whatever comes your way. With newer, cleaner, safer trucks, Penske Truck Rental will help you move with confidence. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Oh, that's right. You heard it right here. This is the first edition of the Cover 3 Podcast. Barton Simmons, Chip Patterson here with you. Hey, this is the, this is, nothing is wrong. Please, I, ho- I hope you're still here. Barton, this is, this is a good thing uh, as we, as we evolve and as we change. I mean, we're like Kansas football, baby. We're charging into the future with a championship mentality. That's right, Chip. We're not a sleepy little podcast anymore. We, we've, we've caught the attention of the bosses. And the bosses want a different name. The bosses think so highly of us, Chip, that they went and got someone and paid someone to make a new logo for us. <laughs> we have made it, man. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I think we got to take some confidence in terms of uh, you know where we stand with our podcast listeners. And so, I guess as we sit here on this in this Thanksgiving week, we should be thankful for you as we're a little bit less replaceable. Now as the hosts of the Cover 3 podcast with all new branding, music, and everything else. And, uh, and of course, this does not mean at all that there will be any change whatsoever. I mean, Barton, if, uh, if the listeners like uh, Barton Simmons and Chip Patterson and Tom Fernelli and, and all the greatness that we've gotten and, and all the positivity and good momentum we've gotten from this season, it's just going to be more of the same. So don't worry about it. You don't have to change your subscription. But uh, but that's what's up. That's why the logo changed and the name. But it's the same old show. Yeah, yeah. If you don't if you don't like our new name, then you've got yourself to blame because the 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 support that we've received, uh, the the listenership has grown, and and because of that, you know, they they felt like we needed to dress up a little bit, and so here we are with cover three. An homage uh, to the defensive backs from the former <laughs> Yale safety who wore number three, Barton Simmons. Right, I did wear number three. Cover cover three was in fact my favorite coverage. Uh, give me the curl flat. I, I you know I, I'll give, let me let me hover around the box a little bit, uh, uh, and you know we'll uh, what we usually have about three podcasts a week. Sometimes we'll sometimes we'll rotate out to cover four. You know, That's go right. With the fourth podcast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and in the off season, we might run cover two. I'm just gonna I'm just yeah, gonna go and, ahead and, and say that. <laughs> Right, right, but but we are we are, we are, are we're not going to take enough risk to where we'll run zero coverage. Correct. You'll always get at least cover you know cover one. There, that was that was a nice little uh, little little ramble there on coverage uh, coverage innuendo. But yeah, it's uh, uh here we are, man. New digs. All right, so we got uh, let's let's get into the order of business. No matter what the name of the podcast is, it's Tuesday night. We're sitting here recording, offering that live rankings results that you look for: Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan. No change at the top. Georgia at five. Oklahoma six. LSU seven. Wow, 
still status quo. Washington State at eight, UCF up to number nine. They've cracked the top ten. They jumped Ohio State. I think that that was your your take coming out of the UCF Cincinnati game in, in the general pitch. Did UCF do enough for you? Did they do it for you? I felt like you were saying yes uh, with the jump over Ohio State for the Knights. Do you take that as a, a sign that they can actually make the playoff, or do you take this as a almost like a consolation victory to even be allowed into the big boys club of the top ten? Well, I do think that there's suddenly I – mean, the, the committee is sitting here saying that uh, UCF – they think UCF is better than Ohio State. Um, I think probably if Ohio State beats Michigan and then beats Northwestern, that the committee will then say, all right, now I think Ohio State's better than UCF again. So in a way, it probably doesn't matter. But – and I'll, I'm going to give a tip of the cap, and we appreciate all the feedback. Um, Chris Pruitt, CP, C. Pruitt, WH, tweeted at me, said, you know, what's, or tweeted at us and said, hey, Alabama wins out, Clemson wins, Notre Dame wins out, Michigan loses to Ohio State, Oklahoma loses to West Virginia, Washington loses, Washington loses to Washington, UCF wins out. And that's a very, I think, reasonable scenario. I think that sure. could happen if, if, if that played out. It comes down to UCF or a flaw Ohio State. I agree with him. And in that scenario, yes, like as we sit here today, Ohio, it's it's easy to envision UCF then sneaking in the back door. The problem with that is, as we've talked about in the past, you got to look at, you got to think about Ohio State differently if they've beaten Michigan, mm-hmm. and probably they still get in. But it would be a very reluctant Ohio State in the playoffs. It would be a very – I don't think anyone would really be satisfied with that. And there probably be would be pretty – I think the faction of UCF supporters would grow to extend outside of Orlando and Danny Cannell. There would, there would be more than – there would be more than just like the Danny Cannell posse that might actually be behind UCF for that last spot. That is uh... – that is a fascinating spot because if the number four position becomes what we're all arguing and yelling about, I I have already advanced myself to this point, Barton. It's November 20th. I feel comfortable doing this. I look at the number four position as a losing proposition. You're saying just it's, it's land to the slaughter for Alabama? Yep, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just feel like we're going to end up like whoever's number five is going to be screaming that they should have been number four. Whoever's number four is elated because they, they got the golden ticket. And the golden ticket is that you're going to play against Alabama and Dallas and good luck. Yeah, okay. Yes. Except, I, I mean, this is what I wrote about after Alabama Mississippi State. Yeah, Alabama's still the best team in the country. But the whole idea is we don't, I, I don't. I no longer think that they are like this million-year team that is unbeatable. Like they, it's it's possible, and so get Michigan up against Alabama, and Tua's comes in a little banged up, and hey, Tua's Tua's not super mobile back there, and hey, they maybe they find it get a turnover somewhere along the way, or they get I mean shoot. I know that I, I know that the Citadel is is not what we should sort of measure this Alabama team against. But I mean, hey, if the Citadel can hang on for a half, 
you know, someone else can possess, get some long possessions and keep it close. And then, so I just, I, anything can happen in college football. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to just sort of like give up on the full seed in this one. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. All that being said, so we got Washington state at eight, UCF nine, Ohio state 10. Is that the line that that's where we're drawing it, right? Like there is an LSU probably we throw out of that mix, but that is everyone that could potentially be in the top four. You said, uh, I'm throwing LSU out. So it is the, uh, the top 10 teams. uh, Everyone, everyone to the top 10 minus LSU. Correct. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that's yeah. It'll be those. It'll be that group. Um, and I guess behind, like, I, I'm a little interested in the committee, just even behind that group, behind the top ten. And I guess it doesn't really matter. So it's just sort of but argument's it sake. Does kind of, and this is what I hate because it does kind of. If those teams are representing quality wins for other teams, like I'm looking at Penn right. State. And all of a sudden, you're like, in Ohio State, I mean, you know, you win in in Happy Valley, Penn State's the number 10 team in the country. That's a top 10 win. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure I wouldn't have Utah above all those Florida and Penn States. I certainly would have West Virginia over Florida and Penn State. <clears throat> hey, I, I don't know. I'm, 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 we'll see I, what, I'm where we get. West Virginia, I'm, I'm picking West Virginia 100 times over 100. If they play either Florida or Penn State, do you still think Kentucky at fifteen is quality win? I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't have Kentucky over Washington, right? I, I wouldn't have Kentucky over Utah either. I mean, Kentucky falling off. Kentucky, Kentucky that, is peak. That MTSU, that MTSU team is a is for um for Sun Belt for Sun Belt purposes. They are a good team. Kiusa. That's a team. That is a team. Oh, there's their CSA. Sorry. Yeah. That is a team that got housed by Vanderbilt and and got housed by Georgia. And so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go pat Kentucky on the back for going to beat them by 11. Um. So I don't know. I mean, there's. Just, I mean, I don't know how much I should care about that 11 through 17 ranking, but I don't really love it. Would be how I would do it. The the difference is that it you're right it doesn't actually matter all the committee is really asked to do is to pick the top 4 teams and then slot the at large positions for the rest of the new year 6 what happens 11 through 17 or 11 through 25 only matters in that they need it as their arguments to defend their decisions up top that is the only value for it well look this is a this is what i like about it is it is a, it's a co- we we decided to have a committee select the playoff team. So when you decide to have a committee, it's it is by definition subjective, right? And and so they're gonna just decide who they think the best teams are, and then they're gonna decide that, and they're gonna shuffle around that eleven through seventeen range. And I'm not saying they're gonna do it in some sort of. Um, Delicious, conniving way, but their biases are already baked in. They're, 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 what's in their subconscious regarding who's the best teams is already baked in, and they're going to sort that out that way, even though probably West Virginia and Texas should be o- both over 
Florida and Penn State. Yeah. And so the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, should be getting, I think, a lot more love here than the Big Ten should, and the SEC for that matter. But that's just, I mean, that's just a subjective perspective making this thing happen. So, uh, so it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'll be, I would have disagreed with that if I was in that room. I've seen some of the most talented athletes fail because they lacked one essential ingredient, confidence. Without it, everything else goes to waste, and it'll make or break any athlete. Listen, the same is true with life off the field, too, especially when it comes to moving. It's why Penske Truck Rental equips its customers with as much confidence as possible to make their move successful. They do this by offering newer, cleaner trucks that are among the safest on the road. Every truck undergoes a multi-point inspection, and guess what? You get unlimited miles on one-way rentals. So whether you're moving across the country or just across town, Penske Truck Rental will help you move with confidence. And now we've got a double truck edition of teams on the move this week. A couple of incredible Friday games that I wanted to make sure that we got our chances to to really dig into. We'll be recording the the locks pod tomorrow. Uh, but here with with again, you mentioned Big Twelve, so this is a good time. Oklahoma, a team on the move. Uh, a team that could be on the move to the college football playoff. Washington, probably not on the way to the college football playoff, but Washington State uh, obviously has hope for some chaos and some advancement. So I want to start in Morgantown. You said you would take West Virginia over Florida or Penn State 10 times out of 10. Oklahoma and West Virginia meet on a Friday night in Morgantown 10 times. How many times do you think West Virginia wins? Um, Oklahoma or Oklahoma State? West Virginia. Oklahoma? Yeah, yeah, I meant Oklahoma. Uh, I think that West Virginia wins, I don't know, four? Three times out of ten. You think three? Yeah. So that's a little, little teaser to who you're picking in that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I... I, I <laughs> I don't know. Like this, I'm, I'm I'm a little shook on the the Oklahoma defense right now. They they got me they got me shook right now. You are the biggest I mean, Oklahoma. You've been the one that's really been pushing it. That like we need we need we need to keep Kyler Murray and this Oklahoma offense in the picture because Oklahoma and listen. I hope I'm not taking taking too many steps here. Oklahoma could keep up with Alabama or Clemson. I I'm I've gone hard in the paint for Oklahoma. And I still am. And I don't want to but I'm just I'm a I, like the I expected the defense to at some point show a little bit of resolve and and I'm just I'm waiting for them to to bow up a little bit and it seems like they're getting worse. Yeah. And I I have more respect for Kansas than most. But Kansas just rolled at forty on those dudes. I mean, <laughs> people are really shook about that forty from the Jayhawks. <laughs> you are not the only I mean, one. Could, <laughs> I, I thought I, I retweeted this from from our colleague Barrett Salee. I mean, Oklahoma's dead last in the country in touchdown percentage allowed in the red zone at like eighty six percent. Oh and, my goodness! And the sec and the second worst in the big 12 was it like 67 percent so 
They're 20 percentage points worse than the second worst in the Big 12 in red zone touchdown percentage allowed, worse in the country. And that's that's awful, man. You get in the red zone against Oklahoma, you are scoring. And so it, it's it is it's just I still I still like my my thing with Oklahoma and reason why I'm still sort of hopeful. I don't know about hopeful. The reason I think that if they got into the playoffs that they would be a worthy combatant is it is I, I'm going to continue to pound the drum that this is one of the best offenses anyone has ever seen. I don't care how long you've lived, this is one of the best offenses you've ever seen. So when you got something that is that good, I think it's it it's worth acknowledging and worth sort of um, taking stock in, in in that value and how important that is. So that that's why I'm kind of on the Oklahoma train. Uh, and so I'm, I'm kind of, you know what I I could have answered your question with you know West Virginia wins three too, and I'm I'm out with that. I think that's probably about right also, uh, but. I'm, I'm, I've, I've fallen off that they are one of the top four teams in the country. Mm. You know, sort of what I was on there for a while. Because I wanted to come back to that because there's an opportunity for Oklahoma, given the way that things have broken, for Oklahoma to be able to say, like certainly there would have been value in beating West Virginia twice in a row. That would have been impressive. But with Texas all of a sudden uh, in – with with Texas all of a sudden in the Big 12 championship game, you've got the the Georgia argument, right? The the Georgia 2017, we beat everybody on our schedule. Yes. Yes. Like True. it is it is it is shaping up for Oklahoma to have a very strong argument for number 4 as a one-loss Big 12 champion who beat everybody on its schedule and has the best offense in the country. Like, that is a playoff-worthy resume, but in the best first, most deserved, I wanted to revisit, do you still believe that Oklahoma is one of the four best teams in the country? Well, just like everything that we're talking about, the, the, the lens that we're looking at this through is through present day, whereas the lens we will be looking at it through when the selections are made, that present day will entail a, 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 an Oklahoma team that just beat West Virginia on the road and Texas in the Big 12 championship game. And so that probably is going to change everybody's opinion of them. Right. Mine included, once again. And not to, I mean... That Oklahoma, that Oklahoma sure. should get in over Ohio State, in my opinion. Oh, no doubt. Oh, I, I hope, yes, if Ohio State wins out, I absolutely believe that. Um, the question is, do, do they have, because my argument I had made previously was they, if if Michigan wins ugly, which they they handled their end of the bargain on that one, went ugly against Indiana last week, kicking like six field goals in the red zone, and wins ugly against Ohio State, wins ugly against Northwestern, and Oklahoma wins pretty the way does does Oklahoma have a case to get in over Ohio or over Michigan? That that I think is the more interesting. No one's really talking about that, but that I think is. I mean, if they beat West Virginia by twenty one, uh, fifty two to thirty one, and then they beat Texas 
2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022. Are, are we in, in Michigan beat Ohio State 21-17 in Northwestern 24-20? Are we going to not – are we going to not consider Oklahoma? Are we going to have – Scenario, I think I would prefer to see Oklahoma in there. I think that because not only that, not, not only that, but you got to you, then you're going to have a Michigan team who's going into the playoffs as the fourth team with a, a team that had already beaten them too. Like the, in in other words, I mean they they lost to a playoff team that was their that you know they had that chance. So I I, I think given that scenario that we that I just laid out. The, the, not just that the, those teams win, but the the style in which they win. I would be inclined to want to see Oklahoma get a shot. That is, I am Barton. There are going to be a lot of people who are going to agree with you in saying they would rather see Oklahoma and Kyler Murray and the best offense maybe of all time against Alabama than boring ass Michigan. But it's going to be boring ass Michigan in that situation, and it's because it's we're they're going to look at Michigan and they're going to say it's only lost us to number three. No, no way, we're not moving it down. I guess, I guess that would be I. You know, I I just wonder if we look at this after those two weeks. I I just I think I think Oklahoma will be. Will be compelling. I, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing you that with that Michigan will be. And I think they probably will be. But I, I bet that but with that scenario I just laid out, that the, you know, that that Oklahoma would have a very. I, I think they would be. Barton, we need your voice. Don't feel bad about that. We need that in the conversation. It's college football. We're yelling. Remember? No, not, no, no, no. I'm not. I, I, I'm. I'll stand by that. I, I think. That I would want Oklahoma. In. I'm just, but I, I agree with you that I think the committee would probably pick Michigan. Right. But I, but I think that that's just based on sort of uh, old-fashioned, stuck in their ways kind of. Well, we had them above them first. We can't really jump them now. I, I just think that that's. I don't just. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I do agree that, that Michigan would probably stick around in the top four. I can tell you the spring chicken that is committee member Frank Beamer ain't putting Oklahoma over Michigan. Bobby Johnson ain't putting Oklahoma in Michigan. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> those guys, those guys aren't used to this sort of ball, man. That's that's, that's out of their comfort zone. They're, oh, this is this is. All right, this. so all right, so the, basketball. Before we get out of here, to, on that note, Washington against Washington State. Washington is a team on the move. Uh, what kind of odds do you give the Huskies of knocking off the Cougars and uh, and thus ending the Cougars? dream banner run though yeah i think washington wins the conference if they uh if they win this game so you know for washington state to not even be playing in the pac-12 championship game given where we sit right here in late november would be a disappointment what do you think happens in the apple cup uh i don't know i think that washington i think washington state probably wins yeah me too um i mean i think i'm this is, I, I think that Washington. I think I'm gonna pick Washington. This is gonna sound weird. I think I'm gonna pick Washington in like our experts' picks, 
but I'm going to expect to be wrong there. Because I, I, I don't, I just, I'm, I'm having a hard time believing, I think this is probably the case with everybody, having a hard time believing that Washington State is good enough to just, just roll through, just buzzsaw this schedule. And yet, this game is going to be at home. It's going to be another stupid environment in the best possible way. And it's going to be a tough for Washington to win. And yet, when you look at Washington's schedule, they've, they've got three losses by combined 10 points. Uh, they've got one of the best secondaries in college football. And I don't expect Washington to just lay an egg every chance they get in a big, big stage this year. So something's got to give on both sides. Like I feel like something's got to give on Washington winning a big game here, and something's got to give on Washington State losing one. I just I don't feel I don't feel super confident in it. Uh, I'll give you a preview. There's 15 to 20 an hour, 15 to 20 mile an hour crosswinds. And uh, gr- oh, I did see that. Yeah, we got some. That, that does not favor the 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 Cougs. No, it does not. Um, I am. I am ultimately in my pick. I'm going Washington State because I think it's going to be a little low scoring, and I think that if if I think it's going to be close, if I think it's going to be low scoring, the game might sputter and stop. Washington State might spin its wheels, but if one offense has to go get you a score, Washington State and Gardner Minshew can do it, and I don't think Jake Browning can. Why has Jake Browning been revealed this – like I've been on the anti-Jake Browning train since his freshman year. Um, but he's been – he hasn't been exposed like he has this year. And I don't really understand what – I guess the receiving – they don't have a, a Don Ross and, and – Dante Pettis. And they, they yeah. Have, and they yeah, don't yeah. have a Dante Pettis. I mean, for they, sure. they just didn't reload with that, that one big play receiver for you. Offensive line uh, too. But it's been – Right, they had injuries off into line. Yep, no Trey um, Adams. But it's 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 interesting that he's just fallen off the cliff this year to where now it's just sort of this common, commonly held national belief that Jake Browning just can't can't get it done. I um, I think he's I think he's a fine quarterback. I just think he is a tier below Gardner Minshew, if not more. Who would like? That, who would have thought that? that funny <laughs> to like hear someone say. Like, how much would you have gotten just hazed if you could in the in like the Pac-12 preview pod or like, hey, uh, Jake Brown is good and all, but Gardner Minshew's transferring in from East Carolina and and Jake Brown can't <laughs> hold his jock. Like, you would have been absolutely <laughs> tarred and feathered for that by like the Washington folks. But it's true. It's totally true. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, that is our teams on the move brought to you by Penske truck rental. Remember Penske is trying to make sure that it offers confidence to customers. And the way that they do that is by offering newer, cleaner trucks that are among the safest on the road. Thanks to those multi point inspections, you can get unlimited miles on one way rentals. The unexpected is bound to happen, but with Penske, you'll have the confidence that you need to handle it. Penske truck rental, helping you move with confidence. Now we're going to throw it to a conversation with uh, Dennis Dodd. You want to throw it there, De- Martin? Yeah, yeah. I didn't get a chance to be be in on that, so I want to I want to hear it. Play it, baby. The magic bullet they now have in their holster, which they will apply. Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh make a combined twenty million this season. Those two guys alone will make thirteen million more than the entire MAC. 
And now it's our pleasure to welcome to the show, Mr. Dennis Dodd. You know him as the Dodd Father. You know exactly what it is, and it is coaching season. And Dennis, you were very, very early on this show uh, sharing some of your initial thoughts. And the quotes that were ringing out in my mind as this progressed was, uh, less is ready. He was ready last year, and you have had an insight into Les Miles, and you were there as he was introduced as Kansas's head coach. Uh, as things were finalized and formalized between Kansas and Les Miles, were there was there anything that came up as a surprise to you, uh, oh soothsayer who called it from your crystal ball? <laughs> Just that the uh, the usual uh, quirkiness surfaced when uh, I got him one on one after the uh, after the press conference. And much was made of the giant rock on his right hand, huge ring, but not not a uh, not the national championship ring from 07. He said, uh, "I said what? So what? Which one is it?" He goes, "Conference championship." And I said, "Well, which year?" And he said, "2011." And I said, well, "That's odd. That's the year. <laughs> yeah, Alabama beat you guys in the rematch. Um, they did win the SEC, but." Uh, he said, he said, yeah, I went into the safe and picked out the wrong ring. <laughs> so, so that's what you're, you're going to get with Les Miles, not necessarily on the field. But, um, and he did, he did admit to friends telling him, advising him not to take the job, which you would expect in that situation. But I said, why? And he said that they were worried – that would that would impact his career winning percentage that he wouldn't be eligible for the hall of fame you know and one side of me is saying who even thinks of something like that you know right. don't take the job because it's a bad job you know but you know you may not be eligible for the hall of fame and he said yeah it's 70% meaning 70% uh, winning percentage minimum eligibility and i got to thinking well even that is wrong it's 60% it's you have to be in the game 10 years coach 100 games and be at 60 percent to be eligible for the college football hall of fame that's why there's 20 30 guys eligible every year because that's not a high standard right uh if you think about it for a lot of coaches so i just thought that was weird and he he, he just pushed him off and said no 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 i'm gonna do it so uh we're, we're it's it's gonna be interesting the the, the press conference was sort of low-key, maybe even um, uh, really low-key because Les was forgetting words and not completing his sentences. But uh, as I told people, that's what you're going to get. That's going to happen sometime. He's had his best after games. Right. He's still fired up talking about, you know, his great men and fighting and clawing and everything else. So it is what it is. As I, as I start to move forward and as I start to play this out, I think about, uh, I, I assume Les Miles already had his wish list of assistants and of coordinators and of other staffers. Uh, he has had some time to put together what he thought might be his ideal sort of uh, the, the surrounding, his team, his squad. Where's your level of confidence that his first steps will be ones that already, because I, I give Kansas uh, a not just a passing grade, but a good grade for the hire for all the reasons. And the, the phrase that I pulled from you and that I have borrowed and credited to you is that it's a two-coach <laughs> turnaround. And that if yeah. it is going to be a two-coach turnaround, Les Miles is a great place to start. So passing grade on the hire, what about from what you're seeing, sensing, or thinking is going to be the next steps for Les Miles and what are going to be some of those first challenges? 
Well, uh, to assemble a staff, like you said, and then get out and recruit, which comes right after the season ends on Saturday. Because uh, you've only got, uh, let's see, that would be, that's the 24th. Uh, first signing day is December 19th. So you've only got 25 days to assemble what really is the class. Uh, you noticed this, Chip, last year that I think about 65, 75% of the schools really wrapped up their class in the first signing period. Uh, they filled in with the second signing period, but it wasn't nearly as big as the first signing period. And that's going to be huge for a program, by the way, that has one commitment. Uh, if that's not near the bottom, right. if that's not the bottom, that's near the bottom. Mathematically, I can tell you that. But I, I know a couple of guys he's approached about uh, being offensive coordinator. I think he'll get a good staff. I think, uh, as I told people, and you were able to figure out from the press conference, he's going to run the same stuff he did at LSU that he was criticized for, some of the pro-style stuff. Uh, I really thought he would say that we're, you know, if they, you know, if it's, if it fits, we're going to run the spread. We're going to run RPOs, but it's going to look for better or worse. It's going to look a lot like what you saw at LSU. But there is the zig then zag uh, option to that, particularly in the big 12. Yes. Um, Well, in the big 12, you, you need a quarterback to have a chance. And that's why Kansas State is slipping. That's why Kansas has slipped. Uh, you got to have that fire starter. You know, um, you got to have that Patrick Mahomes that uh, didn't exactly, Cliff Kingsbury didn't exactly capitalize on in terms of postseason success. But the stuff you saw this week against the Rams, he was doing that in college. So you've got to have that guy, Will Greer, uh, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. You know, I can go down the list. You've got to give yourself a chance just because of the culture of the league and the way it is offensive. But he, he will get a guy, something David Beatty didn't do in his four years at Kansas and one of the reasons he got fired. You know, you have to be able to find that guy. They're going to recruit extensively in Texas. And they, I, I don't think I'm going off the cuff here. They literally are growing them on trees, these zone read option quarterbacks in Texas. <laughs> There's a tree. Uh, there's a tree somewhere. There's a there's a tree somewhere outside of the Dallas Fort Worth area, and then there's another tree <laughs> over in this part of Texas. That's and right. another one. Um, so as all in all, I feel like the 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 less miles to Kansas hire again. You gave us a good preview of it here on the podcast, and then it all came together very smooth. Things are much uh, things are much less. Clear cut, in my opinion, as we look at Colorado, which parted ways with Mike McIntyre, that job is fascinating, particularly with the reports that Rick George, the athletic director, wants, I mean, I guess, I guess every AD wants name recognition, but the report is that he wants to go get a name. He wants to bring in a head coach who has experience. You know, what, what are your, uh, what are your sources? What do you, what do you believe uh, that Colorado coaching search looks like? Well, I just heard lately that that uh, Jim Levitt, his name is, has become prominent. He's the uh, defensive coordinator at Oregon. Oh yeah, we talk who, about him a lot on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. He is who no stranger. Who was defensive coordinator at Colorado under Mike McIntyre? Uh, I think he'd be a good choice. He's sixty-one. We know his baggage. He's alleged to have uh, uh, struck player, player or players, player at South Florida. Um, you know if. If he isn't hired there, I think he might be the top choice at Kansas State if they're going to make a change. I'm I'm at Kansas State as we speak, and I 
don't think anything's going to be happening, but you never know. But uh, Jim Levitt and then the guys that I think uh, they're going to be in competition with if they choose this route for USC, uh, USC makes a change is Matt Wells at, at Utah State and Brian Harson at Boise. I, I think they both are going to have a chance to leave. Uh, especially if USC opens up, that's two West coast teams or two Western teams that will have openings. And I think those, those two schools are good spots for them to move up. So every job in the PAC 12 South, except for Utah, I guess might will have changed hands in over a two year span. Who am I missing there? Yeah. Um, UCLA, USC, Utah, um, Arizona, Arizona State. Arizona, Arizona State. You're right. In Colorado, um, and I forgot. I forgot to mention uh, Kyle Whittingham. Uh, I, Kyle Whittingham's not going to Colorado, but I think he'd be an ideal choice at USC. If they just, if they just stop and think it through at USC, yes. I know that you. So, so where is your level of confidence right now that USC is going to come open? Well, it starts with them losing to Notre Dame. I think they will lose to Notre Dame. I think there's a lot of people, myself included, who who think that uh, Clay Helton is a decent man and a really good coach, and it really hurts to to cut him off like that. But you know, it looks like there's been something missing lately, and it and it changes so fast in this sport. I don't have to tell you or the listeners that. Clay Helton is going to go to his grave having won a Rose Bowl and a Pac-12 title at least. I know. His first two seasons as a head coach, but it's just different there. You know, they are so uh, – USC fans, I don't know what the word is. They're so anxious to just get back to relevance and, and then to lose to, to UCLA to the coach they coveted so, so much. They wanted Chip Kelly. I think Chip Kelly would have gone there, but, you know, it wasn't the time or place. They just won the Pac-12. Um, to, to see him and now get established maybe at UCLA and start tormenting USC, that's got to kill them. So they need uh, – they, they can't limit themselves to let's get the best available USC guy. I mean, I just, Jack Del Rio may be a fine coach, but he just doesn't do anything for me. You kind of know what you're getting there. I, I think Whittingham would be the guy, and I think he'd finally go. I think he'd go. What about James Franklin, who had to answer questions yes. in his press conference today about the USC job? Um, the you know this is always tough because a lot of coaches are in no win scenarios when they're asked questions like this. You know, I think back to and we haven't even mentioned this, but like Jeff Brom, his first question after Bobby Petrino was fired, his answer to me sounded like he's ready to take the Louisville job. You know, every single bit of these responses is sort of broken apart. And so when James Franklin doesn't give an answer that to satisfy uh, our lust for the coaching carousel, then all of a sudden James Franklin name is entered into the mix. And I ask you, Dennis, aside from just being uh, considered one of the top younger coaches mm-hmm. at the Power Five level, you know where where is a, a James Franklin to USC coming from? I, I think it's legit. Well, it's it's coming it's coming from. I think the fact that he, if, if he decides to move, it would be because, all right, I'm in this division where I'm cracking heads with Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State every year. And, you know, whatever form that takes. He's already been to a Rose Bowl, so he knows he can, he can get to the highest point. But do you want to do that or, you know, go to a place that's 
uh, and I don't want to say Penn State's not unlimited resources, but USC, when you have access to all those players, um, a chance where you can win again in the Pac-12 South. We just talked about the turnover, uh, you know, and get you, you, the challenge of getting USC back to where it is. It's hard to say it's an easier job than Penn State or it's a better job. It just might be time for him to go because um, it's not going to get any better than that Rose Bowl for for the appreciable future uh, as long as Urban Meyer and Jim Harbaugh are there. So it, it may be time for him. And I, I wouldn't blame him. I, I think he'd do well there. He's a people early on in his career, like two years ago, where, hey, he's just a car salesman, you know, self-promoter. Guy's a good coach. He's right. fantastic. Ross Tucker, a friend of the podcast, had an interesting comment on here a few weeks back. He said, I wonder if Penn State fans will look back at the Rose Bowl year, the following season, and just this window and mm-hmm. wonder a lot of what ifs because mm-hmm. these teams were college football playoff good and these teams were uh, Big Ten championship, obviously Big Ten championship good. And to not maybe have a little bit more like, it is easy to think, especially if you're James Franklin looking at your own career arc and what you want for your goals. It is easy to look at this with some perspective and all of a sudden realize that the best of Penn State football for this run might have been in the immediate rear view. Yeah, that's a great point. And that goes along with what I'm saying about butting heads with those three schools in your own division. You know, the, we, we got there. But look what it took to get there. And Michigan just looks like it's reaching its high point uh, of consistency among Jim Harbaugh. I don't know if or when uh, Urban Meyer is going to leave Ohio State. But I I think the answer to that is Ohio State football is greater than any coach they'll ever have. They'll be fine. You know, they'll they'll get somebody good if if Urban and his health issues keep him out. From within. Um, Go ahead. No, no, that's what I. That's all I want to say. Go ahead. Uh, from within the depths of the facility, do you feel comfortable speaking about the man whose name is on the stadium? Yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> I'm fine. Is your room? I, is the room that you're in bugged right now? Are you gonna? I, no, no, no. It's fine. Okay. I, I ask him it as we. This is why I came. I came to ask him this one question. You know, with all due respect, Bill, there are now. Uh, at least three publications that have called for your retirement. You know, you wouldn't even thought of that as recently as two years ago. There are allegations of you withholding bull rings out of spite, withholding scholarship checks out of spite and violating the NCA rule for the weekly limit, 20 hour work weekly limit. How do you respond to that? And he, he responded to it. He didn't, uh, he gave a very cryptic answer, which I think, you know, will appear in the piece um, that he said some of that was discipline related. And he said, anything that we have done in my estimation has been fair. So that again, he's not denying any of this. This is how he's explaining it. There are certain things that we do that are relative to discipline and not doing the things you're supposed to do, not taking care of your business, whether it happens to be personal behavior, whether it has to be not taking care of your financial obligations to the university, there are consequences. So that's a really cryptic quote. He didn't deny any of this that has come down. He's just saying, I did it because of X, Um, which is, look, I 
I don't see any scenario. And X equals I can, or I think I can. Yeah, right. I'm the most important. I'm right. the most powerful person in the state, and one of the most powerful people in college football. And if I don't like the way you practice for four years, I'm not giving you your bull ring. So I mean, <laughs> so so how do you think this ends for Kansas State? And I guess this is a you know, if you are Kansas State and you're considering the future of the program and you don't want it to be uh, Sean Snyder, then. It, it's time to start trying to make sure that Colorado doesn't gobble up Jim Levitt. Yeah, and that's the open-ended question. There's no one here uh, that has the you-know-what to ask him to retire. Uh, maybe the president, who's, um, who's uh, fairly close to Bill, can, he's, a, he's a former uh, Air Force major, I think, is close enough to Bill to basically you know, to gently suggest it might be time but I was told this week by a former um, person on the staff that said he's not retiring. So if they want him to go, what's it going to look like? Is it going to be really ugly like it was eventually with with Joe Paterno or Bobby Bowden? Or is he going to have a farewell tour, you know, uh, next season or at the end of this season? And he, and he goes down as one of the all-time greats, which he, he already will. Uh, but – in the meantime, Kansas State is headed towards its uh, only second sub-500 season since 2009 when he returned from invi- from retirement. And the, the last time they didn't go to a bowl game was 2009. So even imperceptibly, even if you don't believe any of that other stuff we talked about, a per- little bit perceptibly, you can see it slipping. Mm. Uh, what do you think? Do you think that Jeff Brom is introduced as Louisville's coach on Monday? We're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's really soon after the after the end of the season um, after they play Indiana. It, I think we, we've already said on here. Maybe it just makes too much sense. Uh, grew up there, played there, coached there. Uh, Louisville is desperate to get back to relevance, and this this has been a horrible crash and burn season. I for anybody who doesn't like. Bobby Petrino, and there are a lot of people that don't. I certainly didn't expect this. I don't. I don't take any satisfaction with this because it, it may be a bigger job than people think. But but Jeff Brom is that guy. He knows the territory. He's that guy. Uh, all right, Dennis. Thank you very much. You can follow him on Twitter at Dennis Dodd CBS. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Dennis, thank you very much. Chip, thank you.